It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Missouri on a roll in basketball headed toward the NCAA tournament. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but right now, Gabe DeArmond and Mitchell Forty here and on the phone, Mizzou wrestling coach Brian Smith. Coach, how you doing today? Doing great. So you guys are a busy week. I mean, off a big win last night, uh, another meet coming up, uh, I, I guess really kind of steamrolling toward the uh, the climax of the season. We are. This is a big one on Saturday. Northern Iowa has four or five guys ranked near the top ten in the country. So there's some really big matches for not only the dual meet, but implications for seeding at the NCAA. So it's an important duel for us. Uh, last night, you guys beat SIU Edwardsville 30-9. to uh, What did you think of the team's performance last night, and, and did you come home happy? Well, you're happy because you get the win, but I think we were really flat. I don't know if they're looking ahead to this duel on Saturday. I did hold out my 33-pounder, so that was one of our losses. We forfeited mm-hmm. a weight. I held him out just to get him rested for this match. He uh, He's busy with school and things like that, that I knew we could do that in that duel. But... Uh, just in a couple matches, found ways to win matches, which is a good thing, but uh, they were closer than I thought they should be. So hopefully they'll put their headgears on on Saturday and uh, a little more intensity. We need that. Coach Smith, Coach Smith Mitchell Forty here. Uh, you know, Jaden Cox, obviously one of the more decorated wrestlers in Missouri history, leaves, and now you all are 18-0 and up to number three in the country. This is how impressed are you with uh, – the guy's ability to kind of step in and, and fill his void and continue to uh, continue their dominance. Well, I knew we had a really good team returning. It was just going to take a couple weights to step up for us that hadn't proved themselves. And when you look at some of them, like uh, Grant Leith, who has been injured for a few years but was a big name recruit coming out of high school, he stepped up and has stepped up, you know, in a big way. He's ranked third in the country right now. And then you had a kid like Connor Flynn, who we redshirted last year, but we knew had talent. And he's filled in really well. And then, and then of course, Canton Marriott, as a freshman, bumps up a weight class because Daniel Lewis moves up to 74. So he got big over the summer to go 84 for us. And now I think he got his 22nd win, and he's ranked somewhere like 13th in the country. So we've had you know, kids that we've recruited through the process that have, we knew have talent and fit our culture well and can, can develop and do great things. But when they do it, it surprises you somewhat, but not much, but it's – it's the next guy up kind of theory. You know, these guys have prepared themselves and are doing great. Coach, I know we've talked to you about this a couple times over the years, but people that maybe aren't super familiar with wrestling, like, can you explain the difference between regular season wrestling and, and then what you will go into coming up in, in the MAC tournament and especially the NCAA tournament, the difference in, in how you line things up and strategy and, and why maybe a regular season team doesn't always translate to the postseason? Well, there's dual meets during the regular season and some open tournaments and and some team score tournaments. But really what you're doing is you're wrestling in these tournaments and your whole team wrestles, but you're trying to qualify each individual guy. And so how they're performing as an individual is if they have a good record and they've beaten nationally ranked people and they get into the coaches panel ranking. So it's kind of like when they release football, they release the top teams in wrestling. We release the individuals at each weight and they rank them all the way to 33. And with the, with those rankings, you qualify spots to your conference. If you're good, if you're ranked high enough and they get those spots, but then you have to 
take those spots if there's three or four at 125 and you have to earn it at the tournament to get to the national tournament. You have to earn the spot still at the tournament. So it becomes very intense because it's, you know, you've got to do well at the tournaments. You've got to beat good people. And you, if you like at 125 this year, there may only be one spot. So Barlow McGee is going to be fighting to qualify for the NCAA and winning the conference championship. So it's a, uh, you can't have bad days in March. That's, yeah pretty much an easy way to sum it up you've got to wrestle well and the good thing is that our program has wrestled well we've had you know the last few years we've been fourth and sixth and fifth in the country we've won i don't even know how many conference straight you know won the conference six i think six straight years now so it's we've done we've we've figured out a pretty good system on how we're peaking these kids at the end of the year and how they're feeling and wrestling that our guys are very confident that at this point of the year and obviously, you guys are eighteen and zero in the duels this year. Are you confident in in the way this year's team and roster lines up for postseason wrestling? Yes, I, I think this this Saturday is important for seeding. You know, we need to go in there and get those wins in those four or five big, you know, all the matches, but especially those ones that implicate the top ten seeding. There's some good ones, and uh, if we can go into that, we have eight top seeds at the conference. Get get the job done there. We're going to go in with some really good seeds at the national tournament. And if we just wrestle to those or even higher, we could have, you know, have the possibility of bringing home a team trophy, which is I've only been able to do twice in my career here at Mizzou. So it's a, it's not an easy thing to do. And with this year's team where nobody expected it, that uh, it's fun. It's been a really special year with a, a bunch of young kids experience wise uh, how they've performed and how they're—it's just fun to be around. I told them that last night. They—they're—they're they're a joy to coach because they love to practice, and you don't always get that with teams. But when you have a team talented and they love to practice and they enjoy it and they enjoy them, you know, each other as teammates, it's fun. It's fun to coach. Mm-hmm. Coach, I know kind of the the mantra around which you've kind of built your entire program is this Tiger style philosophy. Can you just kind of briefly explain what exactly that entails? Because I know I've heard that phrase thrown around, but never actually uh, entirely heard what it means in, as far as training. Well, it's there's it, it's made up of the first thing is believe, and when we talk to kids as recruits, so like. When I'm talking to them, I'm going through, you know, how you're going to believe in your coaches. You got to believe in yourself, believe in the, what we're going to, you know, how you're going to live as, live as a person here at the University of Missouri and what we do on the mat, off the mat, doing things. I talk to them about community service and how we're trying to win the Tiger Cups. And, and if kids are like, eh, that's not me, they don't fit our culture. And so we have some special young men that are part of the program that are engineering students and business students. And and that's, that's what I want to coach. I want to coach some kids that are really intelligent, are going to ask questions and are bright on the mat and off the mat. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about the belief stage and then I find people that love to compete. And the competition part is I want to see a kid that wants to compete, whether it's kickball before practice or if he's getting a B and he's like, I'm going to find a way to get an A. I want very competitive people around me. Uh, my wife is a phys ed teacher, and she's always telling me, man, I, there's there's little Brians in my class. They're always getting in fights and this and that. And I'm like, oh, he could be a good wrestler, though. Do you tell him? And she just looks at me. But that's But that's the type of person I want. I want them to be good kids, but I want them to be ultra competitive. And then we have the one more where we truly believe in the one mores or, you know, trying to do extra things. We've had a lot of presidents of the SAC, you know, leadership through the Student Athlete Advisory Committee. We've had, so we have guys that are leaders, guys that are in, I have like three or four guys right now that are in grad school. They're doing that extra thing besides the extra of 
I, I got to get better at my single leg. I'm going to stay extra. Grant Leith has been staying after practice for the last two or three weeks with me, just working on his, you know, his top position to breaking guys down. And, and it's only five or six minutes, but that one more adds up to a lot of minutes after a while. And the confidence that grows is amazing. And of course, if you believe you compete and you give them one more, you walk out on the mat, you walk out in life and you expect to win. And that's really what Tiger style is. It's that culture that we've created. So it's a, a culture. So when I text people or so, I'll text something to my guys the other night about they're leading these small groups in, in the athletic department. I said, that's awesome, guys. You're living that way. And I really appreciate it. And one of them texted back, you know, living Tiger style coach. But that's the culture we want. We want guys to believe in Tiger style, not as a phrase, but as a way of life. Well, Brian, speaking of Tiger style, this really should have been the first question, as as concerned as fans seem to be with fashion and, and uniforms and such. So you guys <laughs> you guys have these two-piece uniforms you debuted last night. So, uh, I mean, what's what's the uh, the thought behind it, and, and, like, what's the difference? They, You know, we were warm in 2004 or five against the match at the New York AC against Lehigh. And they just never really caught on. And now in high school, if you go to the high school states this weekend, you'll see a percentage of teams wearing them because they made it legal in high school now. And I think the thinking in high school is some kids think it's uncool to wear a singlet. Mm -hmm. So to attract more numbers in the sport, they're like, here's a simple solution. Let's just make a two-piece. They can wear fight shorts now, you know, the really cool fight shorts that the MMA guys are wearing. And, uh, a tight fit shirt on top so it's trying to make it cool in that sense for us it's just nike said hey you want to try these out and we said yes and they sent them to us and i made the guys wear them in practice on monday and one of my guys was like i hate this i hate these (laughs) and by the end of practice some of the guys were like this is kind of cool this is all right let's try it and the guy went from hate which i said was a strong word what do you think now he's like all right we'll try it out but I, there was mixed reviews on the bus going home. Yeah. I had a couple alums come up that were old school, former All-Americans, and they were like, not too sure about those, Coach. You probably shouldn't wear those. But it'll catch on. I think with high school kids wearing it now consistently, I'm going to get a generation coming up that's going to want to want to wear all those things. So it'll be interesting. Well, you're talking to two two guys who grew up swimming, and there's nothing more <laughs> uncool than walking around high school wearing yes. a Speedo. So. Yeah, that, that crushes the singlet. <laughs> Nobody wants to be in that. It, you know, football players get to wear their their jersey on right. game day. Swimmers and wrestlers <laughs> did not want to wear their outfits to school on game day. Yeah, it's just sure. like shirt and tie on game day. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Coach, I know you all have had, uh, I believe, four straight years now with a, with an individual champion at, uh, at the NCAA tournament. Um, I guess just kind of give us an idea of uh, who to look for to be the, the possible next contender in that line. Well, you got Jaden Ironman is ranked second or third in all the polls. Who's right there? Mm-hmm. He, uh, the guy that's ranked number one, we lost in a, in a knockdown drag out battle in Reno. So, and he's beaten the kid from Cornell. So it's going to be, that's a really talented weight too. But uh, Jaden's going to be in the thick of things. You got Grant Leith, who's ranked third in the country. Willie Miklas, I think, is third or fourth in the country. Daniel Lewis is undefeated right now and ranked fourth in the country. So, you know, all four of them are right there. You know that if they have a good weekend, they can win the national title. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how. And of course, you got Joey Lavalle, who was in the national finals last year. He's I think he's second or third in the country right now. So we have five guys that on a, if they have a good weekend could be in the national finals and give them a, give themselves a chance to win it. 
not not asking you, Coach, to to like call out any individuals or anything here, but I know that that a key to postseason wrestling is you know getting certain guys to to just kind of overachieve what they're ranked. Are there are there certain weight classes that that you think will be key, or certain guys that you think will be key as you go into the conference and national tournament? Hey, this guy might not win a national title, but if we can just get him to go a step or two further than than maybe he's supposed to do, it's really going to help. Well, we need Barlow McGee at 125. He's been inconsistent. He got a concussion against Oklahoma State, but he's been cleared, so he's going to wrestle Saturday. We need him to step up. He was in the All-American round a couple years ago. If we can get him to help us win the conference championship and qualify and get get some wins and get on a roll at the Nationals, that would be big. A guy like John Ernesty, who's right between 7th and 11th in the country in all the different polls, He's had a good year. He only has two losses, and he almost beat the number two or three guy from Oklahoma State, had a battle with him, a one-point match. If he comes through and places for us as high as we think we can, I know he can, then that's big for our team with the other four or five guys I was telling you about that have a shot to win it. You add a John Ernesty in there, and then, of course, freshman Canton Marriott. And he's, he's on a roll right now and winning and just believing in himself. You have guys like that step up and sneak in there and All-American – we're going to bring a team team trophy home, Coach. Uh, I know you know you've been really close the last few years, uh, up around the top five and six. Uh, I guess you know what do you think? I'm not trying to ask you to to you know call your shot or anything, but what do you think the chances are of of you know potentially uh, winning a team national championship this year? It's it's a longer shot. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie to you. When you look at the depth of Penn State and Ohio State, they have. 10, you know, I think Ohio State has 10 guys that are ranked. Nine of them are ranked in the top 10, and probably six or seven of them are in the top four or five in the country with a bunch of number ones. So they are loaded. They would have to have, you know, maybe the van t- took the wrong exit or something <laughs> to not finish in the top two. But stranger things have happened. I've seen it at this tournament. You know, you have injuries over the next few weeks because they got to go through the grind of the Big Ten tournament. But Penn, Penn State returns five national champions. I've, I don't think in all my years of coaching I've seen a team return five national champions, and that's and they have a couple other guys that have a chance still too. So they're a loaded team. So those two are definitely head and shoulders above the rest of the pack that are battling for the other spots. But you never know what's going to happen. You just don't. You know, last year Penn State lost one of their top kids right before the nationals, and but they still pulled it off. So. With us, it's just focusing in on what Mizzou has. You know, we got to take care of our business and, and rest, have worry about what we can do, and that's getting our kids to step on the mat with confidence and wrestle hard and get wins. And nobody expected us to finish in the top five last year. We pulled it off and put three kids in the national final. So that's our goal is to focus on our guys. Last thing for you, Coach, kind of a, a bigger picture thing. Obviously, there was a, a little bit of a – turmoil and upheaval with with Mike Alden retiring Mac Rhodes coming in all that but now Jim Sterk's been here for like a year and a half and just just how's your relationship with Jim been and and has he really kind of have you gotten the feeling he's really steadied the department without a doubt I really like Jim Sterk he uh he's quiet I'm sure all you journalists know that he's very quiet but he knows what he has a plan and he's not going to be very outspoken about it but you know he just talked about winning it right you know, and his new his new thing for the athletic department is win it right, which you know with Mizzou wrestling, we've been I, I believe we've been doing it that way for twenty my twenty years here. That you know finding ways to get kids to believe in the program and come here, and the, getting the alumni and the boosters around the program to believe in it and support it. 
And now as an athletic department, you see the type of people that we have in the, you know, from coaches to different, different administrators, to different people that are just working in the athletic department. There's a sense that there's this, I don't know, it's this camaraderie that's growing and building that we've been in some hard places, but feeling that we're coming out of pride and gym, it's that, Good, you know, good times are here already. The athletic uh, teams are doing, and it's exciting. So for us as wrestling, it used to be, man, I hope I wish these other teams would win too. And now they are. <laughs> and just to see what women's basketball, men's basketball, all the teams are doing, football making the bowl game, it's fun again. I, I, I enjoy it. I've been here 20 years, and I love it when everybody's winning. I really support Mizzou athletic teams and enjoy. I've been to more basketball games this year than I probably had been in the last six or seven just because <laughs> my son's a teenager now, and he's like, Dad, let's go. And I'm like, all right, let's go. And I'm enjoying myself. Those kids play hard, mm-hmm. so it's fun to watch. And you just see how the community responds to it, too. That they're enjoying this, so I, I my hats off to Jim Sterk and what he's done, and you know just the way he's working this out and taking his time with it. He didn't rush right in and say, "Here's what we're doing." He really got a sense of what's going on at Missouri and got to know people before he really laid out his plan, which I think is it's it's different, but it's definitely working. So I'm proud to say I'm a big supporter of him. Well, coach, appreciate your time today, and, and best of luck in Cedar Falls tomorrow, and then then the MAC championships in a couple of weeks. Appreciate it. You guys have a good one. All right, you too, Brian. Thanks a lot. That is Brian Smith, University of Missouri wrestling coach, 20 years. I mean, the longest tenured guy and probably the most successful coach Missouri's ever had in any sport. Absolutely. I mean, I think, what, six consecutive conference coach of the year awards for him dating back to the Big 12 days? Mm -hmm. That's unheard of. Yeah, and if they could just get the SEC to have wrestling, then Missouri might win an SEC title. Absolutely. But uh, for now, they'll stick in the MAC again. Northern Iowa tomorrow, it's the regular season finale. They would be 19-0 and if they're able to win. MAC championships March 3rd and 4th in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And then March 15th through 17th, the NCAA championships in Cleveland, Ohio. So I think the goal, like Coach Smith said, like get on the podium. You're probably not winning it, but mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah, absolutely. I mean – you know, a third place finish at NCAA's is uh, nothing to uh, yeah. nothing to sneeze about. Yeah, that, that's the final four, right? Absolutely. All right. Uh, hey, word is, by the way, uh, Michael Porter Jr. not returning to the wrestling program at any point this season. So. That's stunning. I felt like that would be good for his back. <laughs> working, working to <laughs> confirm on that. All right, we will turn our attention now to the sport that Michael Porter Jr. actually might play at some point at the University of Missouri. That would be college basketball. And we're going to bring in Eamon Brennan now from the athletic most – famous for uh, the bubble watch, which is this time of year, uh, one of the more exciting things in college basketball. Eamon, how you doing today? I'm good, fellas. How are you? Not hey. too bad. Uh, appreciate you Appreciate you taking some time. And now I know that, that we're going to dive right into it with Missouri. Your last bubble watch, which was last Friday, said Missouri still had, had work to do. Since then, they a, a come-from-ahead win, as I called it, over Mississippi State and then held off Texas A&M has – at this point, Missouri done enough work that you feel comfortable moving them up a line next time. Uh, next time you publish that, uh, yeah, they're they're definitely close. They're you know, I, as I'm sure you guys are aware, probably in that like seven, eight, nine seed range, depending on whose bracket you're looking at and on what day and and what happens sort of elsewhere. Um, <clears throat> and I think that kind of in the territory. Like if you're looking at an eight seed ish type of spot, you like you're 
you're close to sort of should be in territory where, you know, the odds of you missing the tournament are, are really low. You're no, by no means a lock because a couple losses and you could be back down at the, in the 10, 11 um, range or worse. But, but yeah, I, I think given the past week, Missouri is in pretty good shape. Um, you know, there's nothing super spectacular uh, about their resume or, or anything that really blows, you know, blows you away, but like, it's very solid and competent. Um, and I think they're right in that sort of, there are plenty of teams like that this year and uh, you tend to see them like the Butlers of the world and Michigan's of the world sort of in that same range where I think Missouri is right now. Mm-hmm. Eamon, I know one thing that's new this year with the uh, selection committee is these team sheets where they're starting to evaluate wins in uh, quadrants. Um, I know some people mm-hmm. have kind of started to catch on to that, but could you maybe uh, briefly describe for our listeners kind of what exactly that entails and how that's different than the past? Yeah. So it's, it is a basically in the past, um, the old team sheets would just break things down into groups based on, you know, more or less raw RPI. So, um, you know, top 100, top 50, whatever. Um, this time, uh, this year, for the first time, uh, the team sheets have uh, sort of a weight to them. Um, so I actually have one pulled up right now. So, like, there's group one, group two, group three, group four. Uh, and it's a lot easier to visualize when you actually see it. But um, the, you know, group one is no longer just based on pure RPI. It's weighted for road games and neutral games and home games. So if you beat a team at home that's ranked one through 30 in the RPI, that's group one. But if you beat a team on the road that's ranked one through 75, that's also group one. So basically it takes into account um, the fact that, it's much harder to win on the road beating the 70th or 75th best team uh, in the country, quote unquote, based on RPI, which, you know, that's probably not the best measure of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing that is much more difficult than beating the 45th best team on your own floor. Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that is essentially the idea and how much it matters. We don't know. This is the first year they're using it. I think it will matter. Um, just based on like first impressions, right? Mm-hmm. The committee has a lot of information to process in a short period of time. Um, certain wins that would have looked really good or just decent um, before might get slotted back a little bit yeah. uh, and, and sort of tip the balance. And so there's a lot to look at. Um, the new team sheets also include the metrics the NCAA has been working with, um, you know, a handful of them. They're divided into categories. Uh, and we can get into all that stuff if you want, but, but more or less for, for people listening, I think, um, you know, search it out, look for it. You can kind of see where it's much easier to get a, a feel for when you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I do think will change the way certain committee members, depending on their familiarity with a team, will get a first impression just visually, organizationally, uh, when they're sort of evaluating teams, you know, on a pretty tight time crunch, you know, during the, um, the selection and seating process. Most uh, most people have the SEC with, with eight teams in right now. Maybe it, tell me if you agree with this. Like, I don't know if there's a team in the SEC that, that most people are going to look at and say, hey, I, I think this is a legit Final Four threat. Maybe Auburn, but but Auburn hadn't been into the tournament in so long, you never know. But, but eight teams really almost probably safely in at this point. I mean, Arkansas probably probably – the most to worry about, but you, you see this as an eight bid league come uh, what, two and a half weeks. 
Yeah, I think eight eight is is like you said safe. I would I would not discount the possibility. Maybe a little bit more after last night's just absolutely brutal buzzer yeah. beater loss yeah. and, and Saturday's um, OT loss at, at Mizzou. Um, I, I still wouldn't completely count out Mississippi State because I think they're playing good basketball uh, and their resume is not so bad as to be like unworkable in terms of consideration. Um, they could have really used one out of the two, particularly the, the, the OT loss at Mizzou. They could have really used that. It would have been their fifth win in a row um, and second over Mizzou this season. Uh, so I think eight right now is, is about right. And yeah, we'll see with with Mississippi State. Um, they're at A&M uh, next Tuesday, the, the 20th. Uh, and then they've got Tennessee at home uh, one more time before the end of the regular season. We'll see what happens with them. I think eight is or eight bids is is the safe bet, and and maybe nine if Mississippi State can can keep shaking things up here down the stretch. Mm-hmm. You mean one thing uh, you see a lot if you if you spend a lot of your time looking at speculation on message boards as we do uh, is that the return of Michael Porter Jr. would actually be taken into account by the selection community, and uh, you know even if he only plays a game or two, that might boost uh, Missouri's seating. Is that true? Is that something the committee would actually take into account? Yeah, so every situation is different, but if he were to return and play well, even if it were just for a couple games, um, then that might have a factor. That, like That might matter to the committee. I, it's certainly an argument that would be brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it over and over again that, that the committee absolutely evaluates teams with an eye for who's on the floor and who's not, right? So, mm-hmm. like, if you look at Notre Dame right now, their re- maybe more like a couple weeks ago, their resume was still that of, like, a bubble, hopeful, maybe a tournament team. But working against them was if the if the field was seated today, they lost basically every game since Bonzi Colson went out, and the right. committee would look at them and say, you're just not that good. Mm-hmm. Like, your record is deceptive because you had your, your best player and now you don't. Um, I think it would it would like there would have to be some demonstrable difference in how Missouri plays with him and without him. I think that's reasonable to assume that there would be, but mm-hmm. it would have you know a couple games is tough because maybe he struggles, maybe he's not all the way right, maybe he doesn't play that well, and Mizzou just looks like they have. Um, there there would have to be some major uh discrepancy or gap between how they played before and how they're playing now for the committee to really be like i don't know maybe we should bump them up a couple lines um that that would take a drastic situation but yeah absolutely this is the kind of stuff that um committee members would bounce back and forth and would bring up if you were to come back and play really well um that would absolutely be an argument whether it would matter in the end you know who knows but that i would be shocked if that wasn't brought up numerous times as, as you know, the committee was looking at Mizzou and, and sort of where it ranked and, and how good they felt the team was at, you know, at the very moment of, of selection and seeding. Just a couple quick ones for you and we'll get you out the door. Uh, Missouri, like you said, now probably on that seven, eight line, according to most people, give me a ceiling and a floor for this team. Like if they go on a run, how high can they get? And, you know, let's assume they're in, but you know, if they, if they lose a few down the stretch, where do they end up? I think there's still the, the the slight possibility, I wouldn't bet on it, um, that Mizzou could miss the tournament. I hate to say that and right. freak people out. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, 
I mean, if they were to, you know, they're eight and five in the league right now, if they were to lose their last five games, which is unlikely, but not impossible. Um, they'd be eight and 10 with, a, you know, a loss, a home loss to Mississippi, lost to LSU, lost at Vandy. I mean, their schedule going away uh, with the exception of a road trip to Kentucky, which Kentucky is not the Kentucky we're used to this season. Um, their schedule uh, down the stretch is not all that great. So I don't think there's a huge ceiling in terms of how, you know, even if they won five in a row, yes, they'd, they'd be in great shape uh, to get in the tournament. They'd probably move up a couple, you know, a line or, or two. Um, but there's not a big sort of, um, you know, like you see with teams like Syracuse has like Duke, North Carolina, uh, Clemson and Virginia in wow. its last five games, right? <laughs> like that's if they were to go five and zero, it's like oh my god, you know. Yeah. Uh, Mizzou doesn't have that, but so the ceiling's not that high. But I also don't think the floor is is that low. Um, if they lost all five, then yeah, it's a different discussion. But you know, two and three, three and two, they're going to get in the tournament and probably be a high single digit seed right about where they are now. Last thing for you, I know the committee has told us for like eighty years they don't pay attention to this type of stuff, so. When we get to tournament time and Kansas is on the two line and Missouri's around the seven line, is there any way that's not the the potential second round matchup? <laughs> um, that would seem to me to be a missed opportunity. Yes. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I kind of believe the committee about that more often than not because I think that they are so harried and stressed out when they're putting the actual bracket together, because that's the tough part. Like, I think figuring out the teams that should be in and out, like, it's tough, but that sort of seating stuff, there are all these rules and weird quirks that they have to work around and all the geographic stuff. Um, it's not impossible. People Sometimes people treat it like it's rocket science or something, but it's, it's you know, it is, I think, in a short time frame when results are coming in, probably pretty stressful. And I think, honestly – the things that people that we all look at on selection Sunday are like, what are you thinking are just oversights or like, Hey man, we got to get the bracket out. Like mm-hmm. we could spend another hour trying to fix this, but we can't do it. Um, to me, that would be a missed opportunity. If it doesn't happen, I don't think I understand why the NCAA would not ever vocalize a policy uh, of setting up matchups like that. But if it does happen, if it does sneak into the bracket, I don't think you could blame anyone if they said, eh, yeah, why not? Yeah, all right. Well, Eamon, appreciate it, man. I know uh, – so, Bubble Watch is out again Friday. Then do you reach a point where it's where it's daily or – Oh, God. It's, you, just, you just triggered me hard. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no I, we are figuring that out as we go. It's obviously my, my first year at the Athletics, so all that stuff is TBD. Um, I would just uh, – you know, people can follow me on Twitter at Eamon Brennan and check out the Athletics. Um, you know, subscribe, try a free trial. And uh, I would assume that as things heat up a little bit, uh, we'll update more frequently, um, you know, whether it's a couple times a week or, or more frequently than that, uh, perish the thought. But, but yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes moving forward. All right. Well, thanks a lot for the time, man. And we'll definitely be uh, reading down the road. Yep, thanks, Eamon. All right. Thanks, thanks so much, guys. All right. Have a good one. Eamon Brennan from The Athletic. And look, every time – the athletic comes up or I, I, we talk to somebody who works there after you set aside your nine ninety five for power Mizzou per month. It's like $4. Yeah. It's really good stuff. Yeah. If you're, especially if you're a college basketball, college football fan, they have national sites for those. They, they do Google. They do good work. So look, I think I actually have a little bit higher of a view 
of Missouri than than Eamon Brennan seems to. Unless they go 0-5, I think this team's in the tournament. Like, if they collapse, they're out. But I think it takes that. Yeah, I, I could see a situation in which, you know, they only beat Ole Miss at home and, like, get blown out by, like, Vandy or something where, where maybe 1-4 uh, and four is not good enough. But it seems unlikely to me, uh, you know, with the schedule they have left to, to not go to an, or to go anything worse than 2-3 and three would yeah. be stunning. Yeah, it, worse than 2-3 and three would be would be pretty bad. I actually think they've got a pretty decent shot at 4-1 and one and – who knows if they win Saturday at LSU? Maybe we'll start talking about five and zero. Oh, but uh, that's where we're at. So what? What are we? Seventeen days from Selection Sunday that matters for the first time in five years. Absolutely, yeah. SEC tournament in St. Louis that like could be important. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, yeah, I guess maybe seventeen days from from the end of the regular season. Twenty four days from yep. from Selection Sunday. But whatever, it's a few days. You if you don't know when it is, you're not relying on me to tell you. So. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, next week, what? I guess we'll be uh, getting ready to head to Lexington, Kentucky. Absolutely. So we'll talk Mizzou, Kentucky. We'll see where both of those teams are at, kind of heading in opposite directions right now. But thanks to Eamon Brennan. Thanks to wrestling coach Brian Smith. And uh, Mitchell and I will be back next week.